Hello, and welcome, my ghost story lovers. This is Beyond the Veil, Paranormal Tales, and I'm your host, Becca. You can also find us in blog form at beyondthevailparanormaltales.com if you want to read instead, or read along. If you are new to the blog and podcast, while you should be able to pop in and enjoy any individual episode on its own, I do explain some things that make me different as I go along here, so you might want to hop back to episode one and start there. But, as always, follow your heart. When I was last in my home state of Nebraska, back in October, visiting with others over a long weekend, I collected some spooky stories during one of our large group's nights around the fire. Tonight, I'm going to share a few of those campfire stories with you, so cozy up and listen to real people's spooky stories, told in their own words. Some of these spooky stories may contain adult language. Listeners, be advised. Names of affected parties and some personal details may be changed to protect the privacy of the storyteller, but you have my word. All stories told here are real, to the best of my knowledge. So, start your own fire or dim the lights, snuggle into your favorite fuzzy blanket, and join us here as we take a peek at the world that lies beyond the veil. Tonight is Episode 3. October Campfire Tales The stars peered down at us through the forest branches and turning leaves of the season as we huddled close to our campfire, wrapped in our blankets, as we let the s'mores we just ate settle in our bellies. The air had an edge of a bite in it, and we listened to the fire crackle, its radiating heat fighting back against the chill. Our fireside group that night consisted of two couples, Abe and Willow, Noah and Tira, then myself and my cousin Joanna. I had callously ditched my husband at our cabin earlier as he was dying of an allergy attack that evening. That happens to him every year when we come out, but he always forgets to take his meds until it's too late, so I don't really feel too sorry for him. Between us, we have a gaggle of kids. The youngest two belong to Noah and Tira, and they sleep soundly somehow with drunken frivolity just outside the windows of their cabin. We chose this fire pit intentionally to be close to them, and it's a good thing because the night before this, their two-year-old wandered outside, bleary-eyed and crying for Mommy and Daddy. If we hadn't been right there, she could easily have wandered off into the night without anyone knowing it. The rest of the kids were older, ranging from 11 to 18, and we trusted them to hang together and come to us if there were any problems with getting along together. S'mores gone, they grew tired of the adult conversation and wandered off to Abe and Willow's cabin to play board games, their laughter receding into the night as they headed inside. The adults fondly watched their growing kids walk away together, happily visiting and catching up after a year of being apart again and a contented silence fell over the older group. I took a sip of my blackberry vodka seltzer and gazed into the flames as if I were a seer of old and lost myself in their dancing movements for a moment. The others in the group each enjoyed their own adult beverages of choice, ranging from craft IPA to Budweiser, none of that light shit. The guys and my cousin Joanna chatted about the current Husker football season while I zoned out into the fire, Tira quietly slipped away into her cabin, and Willow stared into the fire while listening to her current podcast of choice on her earbuds. A strange sound suddenly called out from the darkness, and the group of us turned to look, but 
He couldn't see anything in the shadows under the trees. It sounded to me like a hooting howler monkey almost, and I wrinkled my brow, wondering what strange animal this might be there in the Platte River forest. I grew up not far from there. We still go out there at least once a year, and I'd never heard anything like it before. It sounded to me like there were two of them, whatever they were. One hooted into the night, a second animal answered, and they both fell silent as we humans stood there, listening. That was when Tira came back outside with a fresh drink, a blueberry spritzer similar to mine. She asked what it sounded like as she'd missed the noise while checking on her little ones. I described it to her, and she smiled, saying she's heard those before, and they're owls. She couldn't remember their real name, but her brothers always called them monkey owls because of their strange sound. Joanna and I exchanged a look when Tira said, we're hearing owls, and the way she grinned, I expected she was thinking the same thing I was. Our grandmother passed away earlier that year, and she'd always loved owls. And Joe's mother, my aunt, who passed away about 25 years ago, had loved them too. I smiled, thinking the two of them were likely watching us in owl form, silent, from the trees overhead. The weird noise mystery solved, kids gone, and the full group present at last, Joanna gave me a different look and a grin. I nodded my head, held up, and wiggled my audio recorder at her, signaling I was ready when she was. Joe had been bursting for weeks to tell me her scary story. She and I were chatting online about my new spooky blog and podcast ventures, and I had asked her if she had any stories to share with me for it. She said she did have one, but we agreed to share it by the fire on this visit, and hopefully pick up some extra stories for me while we were there, if anyone else has anything spooky to share. So it was no surprise to me when Joe leaned in toward the fire and said suddenly, Becca is asking for stories if you've ever had paranormal activity in your life. So, I have one good story, and I'm gonna start. She's gonna tape record it. She nodded in my direction. Brows around the fire furrowed, and I clarified. If you're okay with your story going on a blog, I'll change your names. Or, if you don't want me to publish it, just let me know. I held up the audio recorder for them to see, turned it on, and the red light glowed. I set it down on the picnic table, where it was visible to all. Are you sharing the recording because I hate my speaking voice? Tira asked, worried, and she made a face. I smiled reassuringly. Oh no, I'm transcribing the recordings for a blog, and then the plan is to read it aloud for a podcast, but all of it will be done with the names changed. I'll only publish what I have permission to share. Faces relaxed, so I turned to my cousin with a wicked grin and asked, So, what's yours, Joanna? Because you said you had a good one. Willow shook her head firmly, muttering something about not doing spooky, and she popped her earbuds back in and turned the volume up on her show to drown us out. I wasn't offended in the slightest and made a mental note to tell her when we were done. This spooky stuff isn't everybody's cup of tea. Joanna took a deep breath, thinking, and finally began. It was about, well, 25 years ago. I think I was pregnant with my oldest kid. I would have been, um, 18? She thought back, nodded, then continued. And, um, my ex-husband and I would drive around Omaha at night and just find things to do. In fact, we would come out here and go to the tower and run up and down the tower. He was just a night owl, so we were always doing stuff at night. 
Well, unbeknownst to most people, at 90th and Dodge Streets, where there's an American National Bank and also a plastic surgeon's office, um, Aesthetic Surgical Images, well, behind that building, Aesthetic Surgical Images, there used to be an old house that was condemned. She glanced at me, and I nodded encouragingly. Joanna said, but nobody ever really paid attention because that was such a busy corner? You didn't really go back there. It was like you could park in the parking lot of the bank and shine your headlights on this old house. She looked around the group and we sat nodding along. There's no front door, she continued. There's no windows. They've all been broken out. And when you shine your headlights on the house, you can see into the rooms and you can see that there's like graffiti paint. She shook her head, brow furrowed, picturing it in her mind. And there were different things all over the house to where you know that people have been there and done different things. So I was always a little scared of stuff like that, no matter what I had known or seen. Was always just naturally scared. But him and his friends would go into this house, and we went there quite a few times, just because we were bored. And they were always on drugs, but, um... She trailed off, embarrassed, but quickly recovered. But I wasn't. I was pregnant, and that's how I know this is so burned into my mind. I know I wasn't on drugs. I was pregnant, so... Joanna shrugged and laughed. Mm-hmm. I nodded, leaning forward to listen. We went to this house, and I would sit in the car and turn on the headlights. Well, there were probably three of them, and they would always get out and go inside, and they had their way through the house. They'd go into each bedroom, and there was a way out under the roof of the detached garage. It was like a two-story with a two-car garage on the side, Joanna explained. I can't remember if you could get off from there, if it was like a raised grade or not. I want to say you had to climb back into the house and come out of the house. Well, one of the times, I was sitting there, and they all went inside, and they, like, disappeared. I didn't see them. Usually, I'd see them through the windows and stuff, and they were just nowhere. She stared into the flames for a long moment, thinking. Abe stirred the fire, shuffling through the leaves to add more wood to the fire. The wood crackled as it caught, and the familiar scent of wood smoke wafted out, soaking into my big black fleece poncho. The fire grew and pushed back on the chill, but I shivered despite the growing heat. I don't know if my mind was playing tricks on me, but it was kind of like my brain started telling myself a story. Joanna looked my way and I nodded, knowing exactly what she meant. And I could visualize all of a sudden a young girl poke her head around the side of the front door and look out. A shiver ran down my spine as Joanna continued miming the child's actions. Like she was looking for something, and then um, she didn't see anything, and she stepped out and looked around really fast, and then she ran around the side of the house to the back. The listeners nodded along, eyes wide. And then I could see a boy, a child, about the same age, I would say, and he sort of did the same things. Looked, stepped out, looked, and then ran. And then a man appeared. Joanna continued miming the boy's scared actions and then the man's drawn-up posture. Uh-uh. I shook my head, goosebumps prickling my skin. And he did not make me feel good at all. Joanna shook her head firmly, and he was carrying something. I want to say it was an axe, but that's so fucking cliche that I don't want to say that. Mm-hmm, I said, shaking my head. But... But he was carrying something, and he did not look. 
just stepped his ass out and walked around the side of the house. Joanna mimed the man's movements, shoulders back, steps deliberate. She shook her head, took a drink of her beer, and said, I was so creeped out, I didn't know where they were, where anybody was, and I'm visualizing this in my head, and I'm like... Tira interrupted to ask, So, you're seeing, like, are you believing what you're seeing? Kind of, but not really. Like, I wouldn't let myself believe what I was seeing, Joanna answered. But they looked like regular people? I asked, brow furrowing. I would say it was to me, yeah, but I didn't see it. She squinted at us meaningfully and added, I could just see it in my head? Tira clarified, so in your mind, you're not like, I should call the cops. In your mind, no, 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 I knew, I knew in my head it was past, Joanna answered, and Tira nodded. I knew that it was like, I want to say my mind's eye is how I could see it. Almost like a dream, I asked. Kind of, Joanna nodded. Yeah. Were you tired? Tira asked, eyes narrowing. I was a little tired, Joanna nodded, because it was late and we were always out really late and I was pregnant and... Yes, I was tired, but we had been there so many times before, and it always gave me an eerie feeling, but I could never understand why. But that time, this, all this happened. I started flashing the lights and honking the horn. I'm like, you guys got to get out here. This is crazy. I'm seeing shit in my head. What the hell, you know? Joanna looked around the group as a chill ran down my spine, and I shivered suddenly. So, Joanna continued heavily. Let's fast forward about, I'd say, six months. And I was telling, she laughed, every time I went somewhere, I would tell anybody that would listen. And somebody may have been fucking with me, I don't know. But some girl stopped me midway through my story and told me that a father killed their kids. In that house. Goosebumps covered my arms and both Tira and I sighed sadly in unison. Joanna nodded, and I don't know if they were just messing with me because they sounded like a freak and I'm seeing ghosts, and they're like, huh, this girl's stupid, I'm gonna get her. No, that's mean, I said, brow furrowed and shook my head. That's a really mean joke if that's a joke. Or if they really heard that, and that's why the house was condemned, and it was waiting to get torn down because of evidence and all kinds of different things. Joanna shrugged. Or if nobody would buy it because of activity, I added, and Joanna nodded. Well, if it's a commercial area, Tira said, her brow furrowing as she tried to think past her vodka spritzer. Yeah, that's what's so weird. It's this house in the middle of a commercial lot, Joanna nodded. Well, I wonder too, though, is it developed now? Tira asked. Yes, Joanna replied. The land might have been bought, and they just couldn't tear it down because it wasn't ready for development, Tira mused. Right. Well, surgical images was always there, and here's the freaky thing, is that five years later, I get a job at this place, Joanna nodded, in the same lot as this house, but this house is now gone. It's all a beautiful, grassy area back behind, and I didn't feel anything when I pulled in there. I remembered it, though. I was like, oh, oh my god, I remember that house was there. 
but the um the plastic surgeon's office used to be an old house and i'm wondering if like the house behind it was like the old servant's house so think 90th and dodge was a predominantly wealthy area joanna nodded mm-hmm i nodded picturing that part of my old hometown filled with beautiful older houses have you ever tried to look up to see if the stories tira searched for the right words to finish her thought Joanna answered. I got distracted and then, no, I just keep forgetting. And in fact, I forgot all about this story until Becca asked me. I haven't told this story for like over 10 or 15 years. I wonder how you could go about looking that up, Tira mused. If you know it was before 25 years ago, I would look at property records. I said, who bought the house? Who owns it now? What was the business? Or do you remember, like... My eyes narrow, feeling Joanna gave the name earlier, but my shitty memory won't recall the information. Aesthetic surgical images, because I worked there, Joanna laughed. It's still there? I asked. It's still there, Joanna confirmed. I should be able to look up the address for that, I thought aloud. 8901 West Dodge Road. I remember numbers for some reason, I don't know. Joanna shrugged and laughed. Kind of a savant. I laughed and mused over how to look into the history of this property once I got home. Joanna stared into the fire for a while and then added, I can still see that house in my head. I can see... And it had to have been like the 50s because the last refrigerator was in the kitchen and the basement was dirt. I remember the guys telling me they started halfway down into the basement and couldn't make it. They had to come back up because it was way too scary. Joanna raised her eyebrows. Ooh, I breathed darkly. That basement must have just boiled with negative energy if the guys who were typically oblivious to the vibes there were feeling it. Joanna shook her head and said seriously, So, these kids came out of the doorway on the same side of where the basement door was, as if they had come out of the basement, and I just got the chills. She shuddered and shrugged her coat higher up around her neck reflexively. Tira asked, you said they were wearing, like, period clothes? So you could tell... I nod, following her line of thinking. What were the kids wearing? When were they from? Yeah, they were wearing... Well, it was really grungy, like they were mistreated, or maybe poor, neglected. Joanna said, brow furrowing. Or farm kids? Tira wondered. Joanna shook her head. A little farm, but no, it was more... I did not get the inkling of farm at all. I got, poor city kids is the feeling I got. Like their dad was an alcoholic and took his life's um, miseries out on them. That's the inkling that I got when I saw them and how scared they got. Like, like he tortured and beat them. Joanna shook her head and brows around the fire furrowed. Yeah, they were just scared to death, out of their minds. Joanna sighed. Fair. I nodded. And the first was the girl. And I can still see that girl's face in my head, I swear. The boy not so much, but that girl I can see. Joanna said soberly and trailed off, staring into the fire again. After a long moment, she asked brightly, So, was that a good one for your blog? It's an interesting one for sure, yeah. I nodded, appreciative for the story, but still sad for the terror those poor kids must have lived through. 
Joanna grinned, happy to have helped, and she looked around the group, hoping for someone else to share their own story, too. She didn't have to wait long. Tira chimed in brightly. I've got a much less dark one. It's not really... She looked my way, suddenly worried, and asked, Do they have to be ghost stories, or... I grinned and shook my head. No, no, no. Anything out of the normal is fine. I would be down with pretty much anything. I nodded and smiled warmly. Tira breathed a sigh of relief and continued. Noah, remember when we went down to take pictures after we got our camera and I was taking that class? And I... We went to this abandoned farm that's like down the street from where my... Spooky walk? Noah asked, tilting his head to the side. Tira nodded deeply. Yeah. So there's this legit, like, just terrifying farmhouse. They could just use this building right now for a horror movie. They don't have to do anything. It's, like, overgrown, it's abandoned, long abandoned. There are abandoned cars in the garage, like, from the 50s? Sounds awesome, Joanna nodded. Tira continued nodding. Yeah, so the guy who owned the land, that was his. His son manages the land now because he's in his 90s. So he moved into a nursing home and they just, like, let the house go? So all the windows were busted out, like the porch was like collapsing because it was wood and totally rotted. We posted some photos on Instagram. So anyway, we were there because we got permission that we could just go take like spooky photos of it. So we went and like, oh my gosh, this place was just bananas. Everything's deserted and we're in the middle of nowhere. Like this is as rural as you can get in Missouri and Missouri's kind of like... She hesitated and then said, backwards? The three of us laughed. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I hope there's no one doing meth in here or something. Tira laughed. Cooking meth? Joanna nodded and laughed. It's the meth capital of the world. It's pretty terrible, Tira said, shaking her head. Yeah, so anyway, we're walking around this house and we're taking spooky pictures and like, this place is huge. It's two or three stories tall, but it's not very deep. So we're standing in the front yard, and he's, like, crouched way down, taking these beautiful photos. Tira gazed at her husband, smiling. And I'm looking through the front windows of, like, the front room, and they're busted out. And then you can see all the way into the back of the house, Tira said. And I nodded, she continued. And so I'm, like, I'm looking in there, and I was like, wow, it's not that, I don't know, big as it looks? She nodded, and then gasped, suddenly serious. And then I saw something move in it. Oh God, I gasped. And I was just like, Tira made a panicked face and breathed out forcefully. She nodded at her husband. He was with me. And I remember saying, I felt like my heart just stopped. I was like, there's something in there. It's dead quiet in there. Like we've been there, what, an hour at this point? She turned to her husband to confirm. He nodded deeply twice. And it was the second time we'd gone there that day because the sun was setting. Tira looked to Noah to confirm, and he nodded again. It was really cool. Looking at the front of the house, you could see, like, all the trees, like the outlines of them, Tira said. It was just gorgeous. So anyway, I see movement, she said, eyes wide. And my heart just like, she pressed her hand to her chest, eyes even wider, and she breathed just stopped, and I remember just freezing. She paused, looking around the glowing fire at the group. 
Mm-hmm. I nodded, totally understanding. Because my mind is trying to process, like, what was that? Tira said, pausing again for a long moment. It was a curtain that was blowing, she said finally, eyes wide. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I laughed, nodding along appreciatively. But I tell you, that took minutes off my life. She finished and just grinned at us, and the rest of us laughed heartily. That's all it was, Tira grinned. That's the end of the story. She shrugged, but then continued. This property was huge. We took a Polaris up to it, and then we left the Polaris in the driveway, and we were a long way. He's basically on the ground, laying down, taking pictures, and it was like, there's something in there. In my mind, in that split second before I figured out, like, I'm trying to figure out, like, can we leave? Would we make it? Tira continued, worry from that moment shining through. Would anyone hear anything? Yeah, your mind goes through so many things when you're, like, frightened for your life like that, I said. The Polaris can only go so fast, Joanna chuckled knowingly. Mm-hmm. Tira smiled and nodded as she flicked through her phone. Here's what it looks like. Here, I'll pull it up. Tira said, handing off her phone, showing a photo of an old two-story farmhouse with two red brick chimneys. Its whitewashing was flaking off, the roof looked leaky, and a row of trees towered behind it, framing it perfectly. I grinned at the photo, totally understanding why Tira was automatically spooked out while there. Oh, I love it, Joanna gasped. That's what it looked like, Tira grinned. Well, that night when we were there, anyway. It looks worse than that now, because that was, like, three years ago? Tira turned to her husband to confirm. Yeah, it does. It looks a lot worse. Noah agreed. We should go back. He grinned, thinking of the next round of photos of the spooky place. Yeah, well, you can't even really see the house anymore. It's literally all grown over, Tira said. Can I see the photo? Noah asked, reaching for her phone, which she opened and handed to him. Yeah, the house looks so much worse now, Tira said to Noah. You drive by it on the road, and it's like, you can't even tell there's a house in there. The conversation trailed off for a bit, and I suddenly remembered a vague story told years ago. I pointed at Tira, brow furrowed, and said, You said at one point that Aurora said something that, like, creeped you out. Tira gasped, nodding, eyes going wide. Oh my gosh. Ooh, yeah, tell that one. Set us into the setting, Joanna prompted. Well, we were in my daughter's room, Tira said, shaking her head. I mean, she's got a really nice little bedroom. She's probably, Tira hesitated, thinking, three at the time? Noah's out of town, I remember this. So I'm tucking her into bed, and it's daylight. I think it's probably summer, and she would go to bed at probably seven or maybe eight. So it's daylight, and she's in her room, and she's like, I mean, it's just routine. Nothing feels weird or anything like that. Her eyes glazed over a bit as she thought back, seeing her older daughter's bedroom of the past. So I'm tucking her into bed, and I haven't closed her windows yet because she's got... Like, blackout windows? Tira continued. So, we're talking, and I think I might have been reading her a book or singing her a song because she's laying on her bed. And the way her room is like, as if... Tira grabbed the wagon load of logs for the fire and pulled it over close to her. If this box is her room, okay, there's like... Her bed kind of comes along this wall, 
she gestured to the right side wall of the wagon. And there's a window right here, she gestured along the upper wagon wall. And there's like a big wall, she gestured along the left wall. A big wall with a door over here, she gestured along the lower wagon wall. And then, so anyway, I'm sitting at the foot of the bed and she's facing me and like the windows behind me. So that's where we are. It's daylight out. We don't have a bad neighborhood. I'm not worried about our neighbors. In fact, our neighbor's house is like almost right on top of us. We've got a very narrow sidewalk and then a fence and then they've got probably eight feet and then it's their house, which is taller than us. Tira trailed off thinking and then shook the thought away. Anyway, she continued. So we're talking and she's facing me and she's like, mom, who's that lady? And I was like, what? lady. And she said, the lady in the window. And I look outside behind me, like I said, because it's daylight and the window's open. And I'm like, who's looking in my daughter's room? Tira said, the last bit spoken in a worried internal voice. Right? Joanna exclaimed and then took another swig of her drink. Yeah, like I'm not expecting anyone. And I even look at like, is there someone in the neighbor's window? Because... She gestured vaguely at where their house would be compared to the wood wagon bedroom model. Yeah, yeah, like, what window were you looking at? I nodded. Yeah, maybe they're looking out their window at something over our roof, Tira reasoned. Yeah, there's no one in the window, but she told me. She's like, there's a lady in the window. And I was just like, honey, I don't see her. And I shut the window. Tira bared her teeth in a worried grimace, eyes wide, brow furrowed. And it's bedtime, I concluded with a worried laugh. Sweet dreams, there's nobody there, Joanna said a little too sweetly. I asked, has she said anything about it at all since then? Any random comments? No, uh, no. But I remember, like on Facebook, some of my friends had said... If your kids see anything, you're not supposed to tell them there's nothing there. Tira shakes her head. You're supposed to calmly say, like, we'll figure it out later. Just kind of like... Tira trailed off. Redirect? I finished for her. Yeah, Tira nodded. My instinct was like, it's nothing, it's fine. And then I just, like, went to Facebook because I was like, I'm alone. Tira said the last in a deeply worried voice. I nodded. I remember reading it and being like, oh my gosh, ah, that would have been scary. I don't know what I would have done. Well, they say that kids are, I guess they're just more, Tira searched for the right word, I guess less trained. They don't understand things that are happening around them. She trailed off for a moment and then continued suddenly. But I remember, like, if that's what we're talking about, I remember on the radio, I was listening and people were calling in. What's the creepiest thing that ever happened to you? Yeah, Joanna nodded, grinning, and took another swig from her long-necked bottle. This lady called in to say she was babysitting this little girl, and it was the same thing. Like, she was putting her to bed, Tira said. She's like, in one room of the house and she needs to cross the hallway to get to the child's room so she's carrying the child going to a room and like down the hallway side-eyed she sees someone there but her mind immediately blocks it out and is like there's no one here i'm home alone so it was one of those things tira said yeah like you disregard i nodded mm-hmm 
It happens to you all the time. So anyway, she keeps walking and she's holding the child. And when they get to the child's room, they said, who is that in the hallway? Tira's eyebrows shot up. Oh my God, I breathed. Tira's grin deepened. Yeah, so the person babysitting just had to say, it was the same thing. She was just like, I just had to react and say, like, I don't remember what she said the response was, but she was just like, and I didn't babysit in that house again after that. Tira nodded and we all laughed. The conversation meandered from there into talk of different podcasts we love and different types of spooky tales like creepy neighbor guys trying your door late at night while your roommate is up studying and you're fast asleep. This led to advice like the proper way to choke up on an aluminum baseball bat so it can't be used against you in a fight. Then, before long, our group of teens and tweens crushed the fire and they brought a loud social deduction game with them. That fireside game carried on until the lack of sleep won out, and the tired kids began to bicker. We bid our goodnights to the others by the fire, and Joanna and I hoofed it, with all our kids in tow, back around the lake to our shared cabin, carefully stepping in the darkness by the light of our flashlight apps. Joanna and I chatted about the monkey owls on the way back, and how it almost seemed like her mother and our grandmother might have been stopping by, enjoying our shared time together. We linked arms and laughed as we walked, and our kids wandered ahead of us on the trail. When we got back to the cabin, I found a moth inside that not only let me come close to it, it climbed on my hand and then wouldn't leave me once I took it outside. It wouldn't leave until I thanked it for coming, like I do with ghostly spirits who come to call, and it finally climbed off my finger and onto the patio railing. I wondered who that might be as I stepped back inside and closed the door for the night, but was too tired to do a dowsing session to find out. In the morning, on our walk back to the other cabins, I found not one, but three brown and white owl feathers. I'm always finding feathers to keep, but because of our talk, I gave one to Joanna and brought the other two home with me. Once my family returned home after the weekend visit, I did look into the property Joanna mentioned during her story. It turns out her memory of the address was wrong by one digit. Aesthetic Surgical Images is at 8900 West Dodge Road in Omaha. The house is not visible on the online maps, and near where it stood you can now see what looks like a big cement slab. I assumed the slab was the old foundation of the house at first. Joanna and I chatted about the location of the home, and she corrected my assumption that the slab is where the house once stood. The attached photo on the blog shows her notation of where the house actually was, if her memory is correct. We looked back in time on the property records for that lot where the house once stood, but it only shows back as far as 1999. It looks like the American National Bank purchased that section of the land as well as a piece of land to the north of the bank lot. The incident where Joanna saw the children happened in 1994, and obviously if that house was from the 1950s, it would have been standing there empty for years before that, after the incident. I emailed the county's property records office asking if they have any older information on the property, but I haven't heard back from them at all yet. I'm hoping they can provide a name to add clarity to my searching, but it's not looking promising. Joanna and I have been searching through the Omaha World Herald's online archives, but haven't found what we need yet. I realized, though, so far we've been looking for a story of murder or children found dead, but 
This made me realize we are assuming the man was caught. If the father got away with it, they'd just have been another family that ran off and left their home abandoned. But then there's the part where that girl commented and said the dad killed the kids, so maybe I just need to keep hunting. Maybe the fridge was old. Things back then were meant to last, after all. So I guess my search for proof of what happened that night so many years ago continues. I'll let you all know if I find anything. Thank you all so much for joining me. If you have a paranormal story of your own to share, email me your story and I'll read them here. Send your stories to beyondtheveilparanormaltales at gmail.com. If you are in the Colorado Springs area, email me to schedule an interview if you prefer. All stories will be anonymous, as always, for your protection. You can find us on social media via our Facebook page, Facebook group, and we're on Instagram as well. Any episode-related artwork or photos will be shared on Instagram as well as on the blog. If you'd like to support the blog and podcast, you can always share with a friend, subscribe, rate, and review us for free, which we really appreciate, and that helps other people find us. If you like what you hear and want to leave a little tip, you can do that over on Patreon. This helps cover the costs of production and helps us grow. If you do choose to donate, thank you so much. I think that about wraps it up for tonight. Y'all stay cozy beneath those blankets, keep your feet tucked in, and watch for those moving shadows out the corner of your eye. Who is the lady in the window? Until next time, this has been Beyond the Veil, Paranormal Tales, and I'm your host, Becca. Sleep tight. The names in the story have been changed to protect privacy. All other details of the stories remain true to fact.